Welcome to Tales of Existence with me, Daniel Savage, a small man asking the big question, what does it mean to exist? Each week I have my guests create their own fictional tale of existence through the medium of what I like to call a tale baby. Yep, we all know what it is, don't pretend like it's weird, it's not, we're just raising a little tale baby. This week I have Sarah Malik, health and well-being manager of the charity Nestac and also a cross-cultural counsellor and psychotherapist. This episode was recorded during lockdown, so if Sarah sounds like she's speaking from down the telephone, it's because she is. Um, It's a really interesting podcast, this one, a lot to discuss, so I guess just carry on on listening, because you're already listening, because you can hear this. Um, If you want to find out more about Sarah's work or Tales of Existence, then check out the podcast description for all of the links. Well, that was a decent intro, wasn't it? I hope you're well. I'm recording this on the hottest day of the year so far. I am sweating. Uh, so I hope you're all staying hydrated and creamed up to the eyeballs with sun lotion because nobody wants uh, burnt flaky skin. Anyway, that's enough. Enough? Yes, I am tough enough. Oh, this has gone badly. Right, that's the intro. Here's the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sav. How are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm very well today. Thank you. And yourself? Yes, all good, all good. Thanks for agreeing to be on the uh, Tales of Existence podcast. Anything for you. (laughs) (laughs) You know that. Stop it already. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to be bringing up this little tale, baby. Well, not together, but you will be. So we're gonna we're gonna raise this tail baby. Now you know you've heard some of the other podcasts, so you know kind of what's going on. I have. I've been listening to them. They've been great. Really interesting. Awesome. So um, I guess how, how would you deal with sort of a, a tail baby coming into existence? You don't have any um, kids at the minute, but you've got pretty big family, right? So yeah, a new addition yeah. shouldn't be too hard for you. There are many, many children in the family. You're very right there. All my brothers have got kids. Yeah, so, well, first off, um, what sort of tail baby is it going to be? Is it going to be human? Is it going to be an animal? Is yeah. it going to be... What well, are you going to choose? Well, I don't want it to be human. That's fine. Is that okay? Yeah, all that's right. all right. That's I kind of said it like I needed your permission then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be human. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking... I, I, I'm, I don't know if this is going to be like therapy, but I don't want it to have a colour. Okay. <laughs> so what's it going to be see-through? Well, it's going to be like, I think, like all the colours. Oh, like a, okay. Like a rainbow <laughs> prism. Like a ra- rainbow. I like that. Okay. What period of time would you like it to, to grow up in? Future, past, present? Well, I'm kind of worried about the future. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I feel like <laughs> things are going backwards. So if I, even if I chose the past or the future, it's kind of the same right now. I feel that things are going a little bit backwards at the minute with, uh, with everything that's going on. I don't feel like we're progressing. So I don't know if I would want our baby to <laughs> to 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 grow up in this climate at the minute right especially being 
as colourful as it is. Now, how would society accept all those colours? Oh, well, we're going, we're going straight in the deep end, are we? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm right. just thinking, like, this is what I'm thinking. Where would I want it to be born? Maybe in the islands of Bali, in the, in the remote... Okay, so you want it to be quite remote, <laughs> away from everyone. I want it to be away, because people don't don't like something that's different and this is different let's face it it's very colorful and bright in fact i think it would be so beautiful and colorful and bright that people want to try and imitate as well okay this is where is this going (laughs) (laughs) this is just coming out okay wow okay that's a lot of pressure to put on a baby (laughs) yeah so people try to imitate it now when they imitate what do they either do what do we know already they either try to capture and and cage it okay or to imitate or they'll kill it and take it Wow. So, oh, so that in, in no way is it left just to do its thing. It's either captured or killed. Is that how imitation works? Being yeah, captured or killed? But maybe, you know, in some societies when they see something really beautiful, they start to attach really weird, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They start to attach what, like... meaning me- or...? To say, oh, if you eat a part of its skin or if you oh, Okay, have it. so it becomes almost sort of divine, godlike. Yeah, almost like it has this healing abilities. Okay, so people might start worshipping it. <laughs> people might start thinking, oh, if I have a bit of the red little finger, okay, the little fingers are going to be red. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the middle fingers might be blue. Oh, the red finger. <laughs> Where is wow, okay. Oh, We're on this red finger. What? <laughs> red finger yeah uh, that will make my hair grow to my ankles and then one person will say it and then another person will believe it and then it like yeah and finger. then someone needs to kill and get that red finger and to prove it like well it's gonna fight isn't it wow okay we need to take care of this baby dad <laughs> <laughs> for a while her oh her, her? Oh, okay no that, no that's been revealed to you just then it's a it's a it's a girl the girl. And do we have a name? Do we have a name? I've not thought about a name. She's got to have a name. Raina. Like Ra- Rainbow. Raina. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Raina like rain. Rain is in rainbow and a like is in a rainbow. I feel like it's too much of a human name. Well, if it is it like, the way you're describing it is almost like it's some sort of bird. Oh, yeah. Like, it's got, like, colourful feathers, different parts to it. Different parts it's to people it, People want to yes. capture it or take it home as a... You know, like, when explorers went out and found all these different types of birds and brought yeah. them back in cages? That seems to be what you're describing. Well, this has to this has to shake the human core. So it's like a like, bird <gasps> is it a that can... Human? Well, can it... I guess it can talk and stuff, it can't can it? It can talk. That so that's going to shock people straight away. So where did you grow up? Have you been forced out of your <laughs> homeland like little Raina or uh, oh, what I happened to you? For, for me, it would, 
a little bit the opposite. Like I was, we, no, so I was born and raised in, in Manchester, Old Trafford, okay. where it was extremely multicultural. And I didn't have, you know, any concepts of, of like differences because everybody in my school was either white, black, um, Indian, Chinese, you know, I, I had no clue about differences. Because everyone was different, so everyone, it was just... Everyone, life. Like, we all were yeah. different shades of something. And some of us, had, some people had, like, turbans in their in their head or, you know, some people wore scarves and some people... You know, it was just like everyone is just... got their own thing going yeah. on and that's great. Then at seven, I got taken out of that really, you know, community loving, um, accepting environment and got plonked in an incredibly affluent area in the south of Manchester, which which where I am still today, to be fair. But when I first moved here, although we were extremely grateful because we then had this really large house compared to our, you know, semi-detached and, yeah. you, you know, we, you can't see your neighbours and as kids it was so exciting, we were playing hide and seek one house but very quickly realised that you just weren't accepted, that you were different. Okay. And yeah, I was the only brown person in my school up until the age of 15. Wow, okay. Um, yeah. So I think that's maybe a little bit why I'm trying to protect her so much. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think it's important that she she does have a multitude of different colours just to to get people to embrace that. Cool. So, um, well, I guess all of that kind of leads into what you do now then. Right, because you're a, I've written it down, a cross-cultural psychotherapist. It sounds like, oh my God, I was the only coloured person in my school. However, I wasn't, had moments of racism, obviously, but as a child, it's just kids being kids. But what I quickly developed was this nature of just being everyone's friends. And just okay. accepting everyone for who they are and not judging anyone, regardless of if it was directed to me or anyone else. And so as I grew up, what my school friends used to always turn to me with their issues and their problems. Right. And through that, I learned about something called psychology. Ended up doing psychology in college. And then, um, yeah, and then it just went from there. But that was my role at school because everyone would be like, I never, I never dated in school. I'm, I'm, I don't mind admitting that <laughs> <laughs> because people were too afraid. You know, if, I guess if someone had stepped out of the out of, the, of their comfort zone and said they were attracted to me, they probably would have, they probably would have felt embarrassed in some way about what right. the other kids would say. But um, I ended up just becoming everyone's friend. So people in relationships especially would come up to me. It was amazing. I used to have people ringing my house, my house phone, <laughs> mobile. <laughs> people ringing my house phone because I'd speak to one half of the, the partner 
who would tell me their problems and the other half, like the guy would ring me up yeah. and what did you say? Or, or, or vice versa. He became some sort of medi- mediator between the yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. I'd be a mediator. And because of that, I was just everyone's friend. I was friends with all the all the hard nuts. I was friends with the geeks. I was friends with the cool kids and the, you know, I was just everyone's friend. And friends. I guess you knew everyone's, uh, you knew everyone's issues. I knew everyone's <laughs> you had all issues the and everyone trusted me. This is the thing. So you gain this level of trust with everyone and then I like to think that I changed a lot of people's minds as well about what they what they perceived as like an Asian person so what what sort of dreams did you have as a kid then what did you think you were going to grow into rather than a psychologist what was like your first ambitions my first ambitions yeah, what you have to okay so let me let me let me paint you a bit of a picture okay. i had three three older brothers my, my parents who had come from pakistan and lived in the uk and all they did was want to wrap bubble around they wanted to keep us in a bubble because okay. my parents believed western society you know was was not a good society for their children to be raised in as in the values and beliefs were completely different which we always question why the hell did you come here why did you come here <laughs> yeah. you know i mean what did you think was going to happen obviously we were both we were then born and raised in this society and we are the british people that we are today yeah. uh, but my parents it's funny because my parents admittedly said we never imagined we we didn't even think that you would become westernized we just assumed you'd be like us and it was like we but they admit that they were really silly to have thought that and, I, and it actually meant a lot the fact that they could admit that and i think it means that it would mean a lot you know for the for the older generation to be able to admit that they made that mistake to put this pressure on so the reason i'm saying that is because I used to play the guitar. I used to be the top of like my drama class in school, and it's very creative I, then. Yeah, I was very creative. However, my parents very quickly, when I turned sixteen, took my guitar off me and said I was no longer allowed to play, and told me that I was not allowed to do drama for A level. Oh, okay. I wanted to do drama for A-level and I just simply was not allowed. So my ambitions were one of music and drama. That is what I wanted to do. So, yeah, it's obviously, it's really frustrating when I look back. Cause I, I do think, where could I be today if I wasn't had those kinds of restrictions? Yeah. And it was nurtured rather than, you know, Islam, you know, Muslim, being a Muslim, you don't, you know, you don't concentrate on these things. You need to be a lawyer. My mum really wanted me to be a lawyer. Okay. Yeah. And I obviously, that meant I was obviously never going to be a lawyer. Right. <laughs> oh, do you want me to be a lawyer, do you? Okay. No. <laughs> so there was a bit of rebellion in the end. Don't get me wrong, like... I'm as a therapist, you know, I can look back and I and I'm incredibly grateful for the upbringing that I've had because my parents are such strong people. But there are certain points in my life where I think, God, if only it was a bit different, if only it was a bit more nurtured rather than completely stripped of it. So Raina's going to have a bit more free reign to to, oh to find what she wants to do and you're not going to... Oh, there we go. I didn't even notice oh. that. 
The name has so many levels. <laughs> I love that. This is incredible. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so she you're not gonna place any restrictions really on her then? No. Is that that's don't get pregnant until much later on in life. Okay. okay. <laughs> well so it's just the pregnancy thing, but the rest <laughs> you know go for it. I'm, I'm nearly <laughs> Play that I'm guitar. Nearly... Nowadays, what um, you work for, is it Nestac? Is that the charity? Oh, yeah, yeah. So New Step for African Community. I went in and initially as a female genital mutilation support network uh, that we created in Manchester. Okay. And anyone who had female genital mutilation um, would have to, uh, obviously, A, would have suffered if they'd had it, B, if they escaped it, were in fear of it, or see they had it when they were a child and now they're an adult and they're suffering from the after effects psychologically yeah. trauma um flashbacks things like that so we just support all the women and girls who wow. went through that yeah that's amazing so yeah i guess that kind of understanding and sympathy and empathy is yeah. that something that you'd really want reina to take hold of are those important kind of emotions and important skills to have yeah it's these skills for sure I think have helped me throughout my life in so many different aspects like from starting you know my own business to changing schools to going to new classes you know like anything I just think to have that empathy and to have that true like positive regard for people that I learned through going to like studying and seeing the importance of it that if I could pass that on to her I think she would she'd be able to deal with a lot of crap that might come her way because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with life there, there will be crap so it's, yeah it's, um, it's best if you've got the skills to kind of deal with it in a, in a positive way exactly Have you ever struggled with existing then or have you always had this sort of Ooh. passion for life? No, I've, I've struggled with my like I think when I was 17 I really struggled because 17 was breaking point. I was climbing the walls at home trying to be the good Asian girl living this whole other life where I was typically British, westernised person young girl wanting to go out and have a drink wanting to smoke a cigarette wanting to have boyfriends but then I had this whole other life where I was at home you know stuck indoors praying five times a day my mum wanting me to wear a headscarf and us battling on a daily basis in order for that to happen um so flipping act seven yeah it was really tough really hard it was a massive massive battle when you're living a split life and the two worlds colliding is yeah. a real monumental moment yeah and then i guess once the dust all settles and you sort of can take the best of both worlds is that what you yeah you, you learn to compromise there are certain things that i know that i just can't do and there's yeah. certain things I definitely can put my foot down and say enough is enough come on yeah and so and then after that that's when I thrived that's when I thrived in my career in my studies university and now I'm the manager of, of a whole department within a charity organization mm -hmm. 
so NASDAQ has a few different, has three other campaigns within it, but we started a new one called Air for You once COVID started. Right. Uh, well, no, not once COVID started. It was about two months after because we were getting a ridiculous number of calls um, with issues around, well, like COVID-related issues. So isolation, bereavement, fear of work, financial um, issues. So we thought, you know, we're going to, we're just going to put a separate telephone number and say, you can call this if it's anything to do with post and post-COVID. Yeah. Anything to do with COVID and post-COVID. We had no idea that it was going to be, it just went crazy. And I think it went, it, it's, I think there's a few reasons why it went crazy. Number one, Public Health England released a report to say that black and Asian people are most likely, if they do get COVID, they're most likely to die from it. Yeah. That initially, like, thanks for the research. However, <laughs> that's just pumped a whole load of fear into a lot, a lot of vulnerable people already. Sure. And then George Floyd happened as well. Yeah. And one of the biggest trending hashtags was BAME. And because our leaflet was for BAME, I think it highlighted our campaign. Right. To be honest with you, it was a very indirect result. Yeah. Some sort of algorithm picked you up and... Ah, mental. And then the fact that we have so many volunteers, they, they take the calls and then they put the calls where they need to go so right, somebody okay. suffering with depression and they need some specialized care that might come to me yeah you know for me to deal with and also the key thing about them is that they all have different languages like so sure. we have one urdu one somali one etrian and all of these different languages yeah and that's why i think it did so well so do, do you are you finding like the bame community uh, are still struggling we had a lot of people that were contacting us and with real fear of going back to work. That was a one like a main thing about, especially teachers as well. We'd get teachers calling in who were like in Black and Asian community, and they would be questioning what they can do because you know the kids they don't know social distance and things like that. <clears throat> we also got a lot of people who were just lonely, isolated, going a bit going a bit insane over yeah. the and overthinking things. Sure. So you know. I mean, I had one caller who, who was convinced that their whole body had, like, completely changed and because they were not well. And um, so when someone calls her, we don't just leave them. We do do callback service as well to sure. make sure they're okay. And now when some of the lifted, you can hear them say, oh, thanks, yeah, oh, thanks for your call. Oh, no, absolutely fine now. Yeah, I went, you know, I did this and I did this, but I'll keep hold of your number and I'll give you a call back if I need to. And it'll be like, wow, I was such a different person on the phone. And it was... Yeah. The idea of isolation and, 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 you know, just going a bit overthinking in your sure. own mind and that. So Raina needs friends and needs to be surrounded by people. Isolation's yes. not a good thing. I've definitely, actually, that's made me realise that I definitely don't want her to be born uh, or to come into existence around COVID. Okay. Like, even if it's before or after. No, let's just say after, because may, maybe things might have calmed down. Yeah. Maybe after. Yeah, so so a after, COVID-free say, world. Say 20. Say say twenty twenty two. Okay, all the twos. We already talked about sort of empathy and sympathy being good skills to learn, but is there any other essential skill to life? Like, I'd love her to be like into dancing or gymnastics. I just think okay. it's a really 
it's an really active, healthy and an active thing. fitness. Yeah. Okay, cool. So like doing gymnastics and being able to do like the splits and back flips and stuff. I just think <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> that is really, that's a good party trick as well. Just yeah, exactly. Imagine you know, all your mates, you're the one that can do like six back flips all at once. <laughs> Is there an essential place in the world that she should definitely visit? Mykonos, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Mykonos, party central. <laughs> oh no, that was the, one of the best holidays ever. Um, no, no. Um, I, I don't know why Singapore keeps coming into my head. Why? There must be a reason. It was stunningly beautiful. So you've been to Singapore? Yeah, I've been okay. to Singapore, yeah. Singapore is where my granddad used to live. When did you last go to Singapore after and have you been to Singapore? Three years ago it was. It was on my way back from Australia. Okay. Yeah, so I you went. Just I just really enjoyed your days there. So did your granddad still live there or? Oh no, my granddad passed away before I was born. Oh, right. I was okay. actually my mum's tummy when, when uh, he passed away. I never met him. Right. But my mum, growing up, she just always used to talk about him. Oh, so it's those him. stories about him that's uh, held stories, sort of yeah. About silk, him. Silk, all these silks and all these things. and. So I went, so that's why, like, for me, I had to go to Singapore. And well, she has to visit Pakistan, obviously, because whether she likes it or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll be going Pakistan regardless. Regardless, she has to. <laughs> so do you, did, did you go get taken there a lot by your parents? So, you know, like, probably like yourself or, like, a lot of people from my class, Every summer holidays, you used to go travel around Europe or go to some different destination. Yeah. We'd get dragged to Pakistan every summer. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> was... for the entire six weeks. Well, for all six weeks as well. Wow. So how was that? When we were kids, we hated it. But okay. as we grew up, we we fell in. We started to fall in love with it. Like, I love it now. Like, um, I think I went, I went last year for my brother's wedding. I definitely have an absolute love for it, but mainly because of my cousins and my family. When yeah. we were younger, we hated it because obviously it wasn't, it was dusty and, you know, it was hot. I don't know. We were just spoiled. It's just different, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were really horrible. Is Raina going to find love? Is finding love important to to you or to mm. is it going to be important to Raina do you think it's something that mm -hmm. is is required to live a happy life or or what are your thoughts on that I think what's most important is that she really does learn about herself and who she is as an individual and it's so much easier said than done isn't it because as soon as she fancies someone and that they show that interest back she'll be like <laughs> straight in there not everyone that just shows an interest you can say no. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's for her, it's really important to love herself, to know her worth, to know herself, and then pursue that. Because her early, I think, from when she's a teenager to her, to her like mid 20s, it's all about experiences. And it's not, every, it's not all about the, the, your partner at that stage it's about doing so many different things and learning about the world and learning about yourself and yeah. homing in on your on your, on what you're good at and and knowing you know, actually what you like yeah knowing what you like not 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 for somebody yeah. else and yeah not being um led by somebody else's dreams to follow your own dreams 
and to to be that person that people can look up to and see as a see as a role model okay. and then and then i think that you know the feeling of falling in love is unlike any other feeling and of course i want her to experience that but i it's so difficult because i don't want her to go through the heartache of it as well don't let someone hold you back because you know i was in a relationship for nearly 14 years as you know um and it, and all i can say off the back of that is how much it's really held me back okay held me back and that's why that would be like my number one I'd say that to my nieces and my nephew and, you know, to anyone that I could. I'm going to be one of those older ladies, isn't it? <laughs> when I was your age, I made the mistake. <laughs> Fly, get free, go. <laughs> How old is this tail baby going to live? Is there a good age to get to or is it going to live forever? Or what, what would you say is a good innings or a good life? I think I would want her to live longer than an average lifetime. Okay. I, yeah, I would want her to live longer. I'd want her to, because you have to remember that like, I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife. Mm -hmm. So I want her this physical time in her body i want her to definitely experience it so maybe so i would say if average is 100 for a normal human let's double hers okay mm, so, so 200 about 200 years and, yeah. uh, then she'll have got everything out of life you <laughs> think by then Great. Well, I, I guess the only thing I've got left is, have you got anything planned for the rest of your existence? Have you got anything coming up or anything that you want to tell anyone about? Well, I've, I've got loads of exciting stuff coming up, I'm sure. I'd like to think so. There's no point in like thinking any other way, right? Yeah. And also, you know, I definitely want to get married one day. I definitely want to have children. Yeah. So all of that to come, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole my... different existence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All of the all of these might have changed once you've had kids. I don't know. <laughs> no, but Raina will always be my first love. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I think I've got lots to look forward to. I feel like, you know what? I feel like I've just started my life a little bit later. You know how people... They're settled down and married and kids and house by 35. Oh, yeah. I just think... Preach. <laughs> I'm, I'm 20 years behind that. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, I'll read your little tale back to you then so we know where okay. we've got. So... <laughs> this is the tale of Raina, who is rainbow-coloured, Bird-like, but that can talk. That is uh, <laughs> can communicate. She with... has a beak, but she doesn't have a beak. Okay, she's just got a mouth. She looks more like um. She's got a really cute face. Okay. More like a more like a, more like a kitten. Oh face. right. Okay. So she's. I want her to be appealing. I don't yes. want her to be scary like a bird. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's an approachable, attractive being that is rainbow-coloured. <laughs> Uh, you suggested maybe her red finger might be rumoured to make your hair grow long. <laughs> wow. She should have the skills of empathy and sympathy and have a positive regard to people with the ability regard. to uh, compromise 
because that's how I guess you get good relations and good friendships out of people. Yeah. You would uh, suggest that she, like an essential thing that she should do is maybe yoga or gymnastics so that she can do the splits and backflips at parties and show off. (laughs) (laughs) And that she should definitely visit Singapore and that she won't have a choice, but she will visit Pakistan. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's important that she loves herself first before she loves anyone else so that can she, she can lead her own path and then find love, hopefully, in the later parts of her life, which she'll have a lot of because she lives up to 200 years. Yeah, so, so she does start looking when she's around 110. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So, yeah, I mean, how does that tale sound? That sounds like a good yeah. life, right? That's a really good one. I was so nervous that like, I was going to be really rubbish. Like, <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's your tale of existence, Sarah, uh, and the tale of Raina. So, um, yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us, and uh, I hope you've had a, a decent chat with me. I've absolutely loved it. Please invite me again. I want another baby. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Sarah. What a wonderful podcast. What a wonderful woman. Um, Yes, if you want to know any more about Nestac and the work that she does there, then the links will be in the description. Um, Otherwise, thanks for listening. You are all beautiful people. Thanks for all of the messages. If you could subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't already, that'd be great. Or give it a uh, good review or five stars on Apple Podcasts. That just helps us out and doesn't cost you anything. Um, And if you don't think it's worth five stars, then, you know, don't, don't put anything. Um, take that negativity right back to um, your your bum. All right. Well, p- well, please don't judge me on based on what I'm saying now. Anyway, I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. Join us next week for another brilliant podcast. It's a very funny one next week. So keep tuned. All right. I've spoken enough. Bye.